Hello everyone. Welcome to Hello. episode two, Prattle Royale. I'm Lorcan. This is Vicky. I'm Vicky. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and what are we talking about today, Vicky? This is our Oscars rundown for the week. This is a few opinions that we may have on the upcoming Oscars 2021. You might it's have been... them. I definitely have them. Yeah, I'm, I might have them. I'm, I'm a bit, you know... I haven't always been the biggest Oscars fan, but we'll go into that later. Me neither. This will be much more true to the concept of the show than last week, where it was just kind of like, everything's great. We love it. Uh, I mean, it was like, a nice positive note to start on. I oh, feel sure. like positive notes is how you meant to start these things, Loki. Maybe. But now I we can like really just conflict. be a. Like Jean Paul Sartre, everyone, everyone needs a bit of conflict, you know? We, I want to give that to the people. <laughs> it keeps our friendship exciting, I would say. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So I think we can just kind of like blitz through them because uh, everyone's going to have like an Oscars episode podcast. So we have so many others just... to choose from, but, yeah. but let's we'll, give our we'll take. go through them as quickly, not as quickly as possible, but like, to be honest, there's not much. To, I don't have much to say on any of these let's in talk, particular. Let's talk about this year's Oscars um, for a start. We haven't, obviously, last year's Oscars got skipped pretty much because of the, the whole thing. With the world? No, we, no, I didn't. Are you joking? No, it happened in Feb. So it was like they moved it fortuitously. They moved it super early last year. So it was like the middle of February. They got it over and done with. Uh, remember, isn't that the year? Uh, what's oh my god, face? Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin and Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix and his cow speech. Yeah. I am gonna not hear the end of that. I completely. I mean, give me a break. It's been a year of intense things, you know, COVID and all. I completely forgot. It oh existed. yeah, no, it was. I I can't remember much about it anyway, apart from. Oh, it's no, all can't remember back anything about. Now. No. <laughs> oh, Parasite. It was Parasite and Joker, the most influential movies of our cinema careers. So that's great. Sure. As in was the that, busiest, I would say it was a Olivia, busy time for us. Is that when Olivia Coleman won? Over Glen Close? No, was that, that, that was the year. That was the year before that, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Please oh, tell yeah, me. no, it was. It was, yeah. So, what a, no, what a great way to start. <laughs> I feel like uh, no, the only reason we pay such a close attention to Oscar's rundown maybe the past year is because we've been working together in the cinema. Hmm. And Oscar, Oscar time normally means as soon as Best Picture wins, we are going to be extremely busy. And that's all we, that's all I know. Um, I don't think I really paid attention to the Oscars until that La La Land controversy and that was all over the place and then I was like, oh, I should probably uh, watch Moonlight just for the the, the experience. <laughs> I mean, it, the Oscars are just a big marketing scam, but it's always fun to watch just like a seething hotbed of ego and everyone trying to be on their best behavior, but also kind of like, I don't know. It's an interesting time, the Oscars. It's it's always an interesting watch because you just everyone feels kind of on their tippy toes, but at the same time they try and have a good time. Um, it's also full of those lovely cringy moments. Uh, now that I remember, thinking back to was it that lovely introduction speech in Chris Rock last year? Oh my goodness, that gave oh, us something to laugh about. Pussy. 
indeed, indeed. I, I saw like I think it was on Instagram. There's an ad for the Oscars, and it was just like a collage of all like the embarrassing things that have happened. Like a stripper, like a, someone flashed the stage one time, and then Jennifer Lawrence like falling down. I was like, I know the Osc- the Oscars are always desperate for viewers because there's just drops and drops and drops. But it's mm-hmm. like this seems like to market the ceremony as like a fuck up marathon. I thought was interesting. And I guess it used like, to be so much more respected. Oh, I used to thought it was until I actually started watching them. I thought it was this prestigious event. But then when I actually started watching the films nominated, and then when it came to the actual night, it is just a massive farce, which is yeah something I'll run with. I guess it's, oh, it's, it's like watching thing. it's like watching a cult ceremony. <laughs> right, right. Like it's you get that kind of vibe where everyone's like obviously like it's a cult I would love to be in, but to watch it from the outside is fucking fascinating it's so interesting isn't it because you want to be in that room but also what 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 is going on i remember i was in i was in la like maybe the week before the oscars and the whole of hollywood was completely boarded off taken over it's a huge thing it's a huge thing but i think it keeps them running to be honest but the end of your party isn't it it's, yeah, it's basically a massive blow up before summer. So what, what do you want to win? What do you want to win Best Picture? Best Picture, Out for of what's me. nominated, obviously, which isn't very much. Uh, for Best Picture, it definitely would have been Minari. Um, really? Yeah, because for me, you know what I'm like? I love Asian cinema. Sure. I don't know if that's too much of a... Can I say Asian cinema? I can, can't I? Yeah, well, I think the whole thing with this film is, like, it's Asian-American cinema. They're, like, pushing that angle. It's Asian, yeah, Asian-American cinema. But um, I, I would have said Minari. It's the most uh, beautiful film I've probably seen out of the ones that I have so far. Um, the okay. big note I would take with this year's, like, recommendations is that everything is so underwhelming. I am not, like, I'm not... Everything you've seen. Everything, everything you've seen. I've it's seen. not a complete dud year. Okay, go on. What's your nomination for Best Picture? Uh, hands down, The Father. Um, I was expecting a really boring, tedious, pretentious drama. Um, and especially, I mean, it's called The Father. And it's just, like, set in an apartment. And I was expecting something really bad. And it absolutely blew me away. But we'll talk about, like, the details later. Um, but no, I, I, it's not going to win Best Picture, but 100% it should. How about and Best Actor? Best Actor. Oh, so I think I have it down as Riz Ahmed is maybe the one that should win, but I think we all know Chadwick, respectfully, is going to take that. Uh, who else do I have down for the father? I mean, I would love Steve Yeun to win. I think he's an absolute gem of an actor. Whatever he's chosen recently has worked always in his favour. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the last thing he did. Well, maybe not the last thing, but um, Burning by Lee Chang Dong. And I think that was when he really showed his main actor chops. And I've been pretty much infatuated with him, as well as a lot of people have since then. So, yeah. I mean, this is a good shot for him. I know he probably won't get it, but I'd have Riz Ahmed as who I'd probably favour it. Um, but we, I think it's a bit obvious what's going to happen. Yeah, there's like, uh, like, can you imagine the atmosphere in the room if Chadwick Boseman doesn't get the nomination? Like, just whoever does get it just won't want to come up to that stage. They'll, they'll just, like, wave it off. They'll just, like, wave to it's the camera, like, like respectfully. No, yeah. I'm okay. I don't need this on my conscience they'll, kind like, of thing. They'll, like, pretend to be in a Zoom call. Like, oh, God, I wish I was there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, everything just freezes. Like, oh, never mind. Cut off. <laughs> Biggest moment of my career. <laughs> it's all good. They just hold up, like, a cardboard cutout of themselves and then just, like, fuck off through the back door. 
Um, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult forever who actually wants it, but at the same time, it's just it's just how it works. It's just yeah. how it works. Mm. I'm going to be really boring uh, and say Anthony Hopkins because. I'm never usually a huge fan of Anthony Hopkins, but he is mm. really, really good in, in um, The Father. Uh, but you really draw me into The Father hype. I feel oh, like no one has hyped it just, up but you. Just wait until an hour from now. You will be on it. You will be on that train. Uh, but Riz Ahmed, was, uh, he is like stellar in Sound of Metal. We'll talk about that more later as well. Um, what about Best Actress? Best Actress for me... Oh god, what a boring category this one is. I actually don't. Who did I have down as? I'm currently looking at my uh, spreadsheet for yeah, yeah. bets that I'm placing. <laughs> um, so I would say Frances McDormand. However, I've just mm. came out a promising young woman, and I think Kerry Mulligan might have a chance of getting it. Oh, she's Two the favourite, yeah. Yeah, she is my favourite, I think, out of this list, because the rest of them, I haven't actually, until I see the films, I can't judge, but it just doesn't look exciting. But Kerry Mulligan and Promising a Woman would be my shout, I would say. Okay, in terms of, like, talent I've seen on screen, I would say Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I don't think we'll really talk about this episode, but I, I wasn't a big fan. It's quite, it's quite a poor stage-to-screen adaptation, but... Bozeman's, Bozeman's really good. Viola Davis is pretty amazing to the point where she just like she just completely dissolves into that character. Um, yeah. She Should won't win. It'll be Carrie Mulligan, I think. But. Carrie Mulligan? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be cheersing to that. Uh, the more exciting categories this year, apart from, you know, the main actor and actress and best picture, I would say is the best supporting. I think best supporting this year is like a solid like yeah. chunk, definitely. Uh, for best actress, I have um, well at the minute I love I love Young Jung Yin after her beautiful BAFTA speech, um, calling the entire of you know England snobs, which is I mean <laughs> we'll take it. It's a strong category. You've got Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman battling it out again. I haven't seen Mank, but apparently Amanda Seyfried's a quality quality I mean, performance. She she's always. She's always kind of it's like she's always kind of in the background. It wasn't until cuz I I'm a snob, but it wasn't until Twin Peaks season 3 the return and like David Lynch hired her. And David Lynch always has like a really solid eye for talent. And then she was in that and it's like, "Oh no, she is actually I've never really noticed it before, but she is actually a really quality actress." Mm. I'm trying to think like I'm a big fan of Mamma Mia too. Here we go again. So she has a little bit of my heart from that. <laughs> we'll take that. I mean, and Mean then, Girls. You gotta love her from Mean Girls as well. Yeah, I actually loved Karen the most. I used to, when I grew up, I was like, oh, Karen's cool. Like, definitely at the end. She definitely got her bit. Uh, best supporting actor, who would you say? Um, like, like you say, it's a really strong category. It's like, it's really difficult as well because both both of those kind of lead performances in Judas and the Black Messiah are really strong. Both those actors mm-hmm. are really good. They, they're consistently really good. But then you've got someone like Paul Ratchie from, I think it's pronounced Ratchie, from Sound of Metal. He definitely, he was he was the strongest point. He was like the backbone of that film. Like a lot of supporting yeah. actors are. I definitely, that's what made it stronger as a whole. Yeah, I really, actually I really agree with you on that. And then 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna wince in a second, but I, as a, as a current fan of Charlie Chicago Seven, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's performance. Hmm. As a current fan. Yeah, you're about to change about my mind. Yeah, <laughs> this is what's about to happen. I'm about to. Go, it's all about to go downhill. Um, as a current fan of Child of Chicago Seven, I really appreciate Sasha Baron Cohen's performance of Abby Hoffman. Um, I thought it was very convincing. But I can see your face. So, so here we are. <laughs> how about uh, how about we move on? <laughs> let's go. Let's go through the films themselves then, because uh, so you've Ooh. you've kind of. You've kind of opened the door in Minari the most, I think. Do you want to, do you want to take that one? Okay, I'll take Minari. Uh, so Minari, and I watched it as part of uh, the opening film at Glasgow Film Fest online, obviously. Uh, it obviously. got a lot of hype. It got a lot of help, like hype over maybe the Christmas period, I would say. Um, so I was really excited for it, and it is just beautiful. It is about... Uh, Steve Yoon has dragged his family from California. Um, the mum and the dad are setting up in a trailer and their job is to sex chickens, which I didn't know was a career, but apparently can be really, really good at it. And apparently it's a thing. I wish I didn't and... know knowing what they do to the boy chickens. I'm really sorry, Larkin. I, yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of like... I, I, I'm so glad I saw the film, but that's that's a fucking bummer. It is. It really is. I mean, the whole film definitely has, like, those kind of up and down moments. I think it's, like, it kind of waves them out. Definitely things come out of nowhere when it comes to... I, I'll, I won't, we won't do spoilers, I don't think, no. this episode. But it's just, like, a good rundown. They've moved to, basically, I can't remember what the, the state is called but they want to start a farm for their family and he kind of sacrifices his family's needs, I would say, for his dream. And it's just how the family struggles through that and then how they choose to act upon it by bringing the grandma over from Korea and her helping out until the farm gets ready and then something happens and it's just how the family, like, it's just a good family bonding, I would say, and trying to influence Korean culture into maybe the American market, and which is a solid thing because it's kind of blowing up right now. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, the Korean influence in America at the minute is very strong. Uh, that started like a, a few years ago from the introduction of K-pop, and now it's just like gotten fucking stronger hand-to-hand from that. Yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely loved Minari. I would say I loved the film, but because the performances are so genuine, definitely with the little boy, Alan Kim. I think Mm -hmm. he, like a lot of child actors, I think he just handles himself very well in this. Uh, When I think of child actors in the past, as in, I'm trying to think of like maybe Jacob Tremblay and Room. Um, Whenever they get a nomination at the Oscars, I always think it's because they deserve it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is he nominated? Hmm? Is the little boy nominated? Wasn't he's he? not, is he? Oh my god, what's I don't happening? Think he is. Oh, I he was nominated at the BAFTAs. It was because uh, he was nominated at the BAFTAs. I don't give what a shit happening? about the BAFTAs. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It's okay. No, it's, it's really funny how, how you introduced the film because you were like, uh, a guy drags his family to the middle of nowhere and makes them suffer for his mistakes. But I was very much yeah. like, this poor fucker. Like, he's trying to achieve his dream and everyone's just dragging him down. Um, I was like, it's like, 
I, I, re I did really like it as well. It's, it's beautifully shot. It's a story we've seen a billion times. Guy, for whatever circumstance, usually out of desperation, drags his family somewhere in the, away from the city, in the middle of nowhere, and they have to kind of bond over a family. But it's clearly from such a personal angle um, that there's so many funny little moments and like really, this even though it's kind of like the stakes are quite high. Even though, again, it's a story we've seen before, but you really feel the tension in that family. Um, Definitely the relationship yeah. between the, the mum and the dad, the mother yeah. and the father. Uh, that's, it just kind of, uh, it goes from one point to the next. You don't know which side to be on. You kind of feel like the child because you, they both have such right points throughout the whole film. But yeah. uh, I really enjoyed the conclusion to it. Mm -hmm. And out of my favourites, I think that's probably... The film I took the most away from, out of everything I've seen. Okay, that's fair. Mm. Shall we go on How to about... Trial of Chicago 7 next? We can go on to Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, Do you uh, want to introduce it, it or should I? Oh, please let me introduce Trial of Chicago I'll 7. I'll let you have this one. Um, so, Trial of Chicago 7 is a recreation of the trial of the Chicago 7 who were leaders of separate protest organizations who uh, went to the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago um, with the intention of peaceful protest. Uh, things got out of hand, there was riots, and the, the process of the, the kind of courtroom procedural turns into like a series of flashbacks that tell the story as it goes. Um, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I'm usually a big fan of Aaron Sorkin, who wrote and directed this. He's, a, he wrote The Social Network. He wrote A Few Good Men. He's a very, very talented screenwriter and playwright. Um, but he, he falls victim very often to, I'm gonna say sanctimonious writing. He did a TV series called um, uh, Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip, which is one one of the just a really enjoyable, fantastic TV series that was cancelled in its first season. But they knew it was going to be cancelled, so those final three episodes, it was like six seasons crammed into one. So it was like, really enjoyable show, and then all of a sudden it kind of showed its colours, and I was like, oh, this is where this is where you're going to take the series. Like, it's so over the top, it's so sanctimonious. Um, and I feel like this is all of his worst traits in one script. It's like, there are a lot of the ending is laugh out loud funny, I found. There's a lot of lines where like Sasha Baron Cohen or Eddie Redman will say something and there's like a pause left for either like laughter or applause, which I found really obnoxious. Um, I don't know. How, how did you find it? Why did you dig it, Vicky? Uh, so I started, yeah, I started a Sorkin at 10 p.m. at night and I thought, what am I, why am I doing this to myself? The runtime is quite long it's two it's two hours and about 30 minutes would you say two hours 30 yeah something yeah. like that it's like less it than, i think maybe two hours 10. maybe two, yeah um i did not feel that time at all i thought it went very quickly no. it got me to care about something that i personally had no idea about it taught i feel like it taught me just a little bit about that time and I always appreciate when you can take something away from a film apart from, you know, emotional values always important, but when you actually learn something 
and you enjoyed it, it yeah, it feels, I really enjoyed that part. But I feel like with a lot of Sorkin, um, I'm talking about like Molly's game, maybe. Okay. He did, he did, like, I feel like I take away things from his films. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, what, what do you I, take uh, away from them, though? Just, like, historical weight? So historical knowledge, wanting, wanting to learn things, wanting to be a cool person, I guess. Because okay. <laughs> out of everything, care, like, I feel like this film shows that caring about something very passionate just makes you, like, very cool, I believe. Oh, God. So I thought... <laughs> Based on these characters? like. Based on I, these characters, 100%. But everyone's such a... Everyone's, everyone's brushed with such a broad stroke here. Like I like you, you. You said you really enjoyed Sasha Baron Cohen's character. I thought he was a cartoon adaptation of like Ratso Rizzo from like Midnight Cowboy. He's just doing a stereotype for laughs. But then every so often you're supposed to take him super seriously. I just didn't think it worked at all. I hundred percent took his performance seriously. Actually, okay. I don't think you're going to change me on this one. I really that's, did. I think. That's, but you 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 watched his character and you weren't thinking. Oh, there's just Sasha Baron Cohen. No, you think I didn't. he you think I'm he really... melted into the character. Mm. You can't use the word melted because I don't think he did. I just think he pulled it off well. I think he did a very good job. Okay. So, so this film as well, it went straight to Netflix. Yeah. And it went straight to Netflix in a time period that was last summer. You know, I think it was last year. It was around BLM. It it was. I remember like that. What's ignited it? It dropped at a very was, interesting time. I think it was October, time. so it was like kind of like in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I put it off watching it. I don't know why. I think it just dropped to Netflix. I saw it was a two and a bit hour film, and I didn't want to bother with to it with it until the time was right, mm -hmm. which I think it was now. And I just think, how do I explain that? I enjoyed it more because it has relevance to today's problems. I wish we didn't have those problems, but I think uh, watching these characters be fully convincing, it just makes you feel a bit more passionate about what's happening in the world right now. So I thought it was a good film because of that. And I thought the performances inspire me and a few of my friends. I just, I thought I took a lot away from it, yeah. It's like, I felt I wanted to care, but I do care anyway, but it has like a strong of what people can do together. But was it a good film, Vic? Oh god! I couldn't like, care less. Like, was it a good film? Like, it's just kind of like, I was like, the writing's the writing's so Sorkin's always quite fun with his wordplay, but there's so many moments where it's just like, oh, you overthought that, you overwrote that, you overwrote that. Uh, I think I've only seen Eddie Redmayne in this and Jupiter Ascending, and I think he might be the worst, one of the worst actors working today. He sounded like Kermit the Frog with laryngitis. You've only seen Eddie Redmayne in this and Jupiter Ascending. What else is he Those in? are the only two films you've seen. What else is well, if we take if we take away the Danish girl and theory of everything, where those are two Obviously, I kind seen of those. two maybe controversial performances done by the actor himself. <laughs> what else has he done, Vicky? Uh, I'm gonna say his likability comes from Harry Potter in, the, in Fantastic Beasts, and we're just gonna run with that because that suits him okay. to a T. Well, yeah, okay. but, uh... maybe maybe some decade I'll check out those but he is like he is like awful because he does like a funny voice in Jupiter Ascending for some reason and then like his voice here is just like I can't believe you've watched so Jupiter Ascending it's Wachowskis I love the Wachowskis I'll always give the Wachowskis uh, a pass they're amazing I didn't know it was the Wachowskis until now either okay we'll let it go we'll let it go no I, I just like 
Was it a good film? I think it was a good film. I'm going to stand by it. It was a good film. I it's enjoyed watch- it. It's watchable. It goes by really quickly. But I would I would not say it's a good film. If you want a good, if you oh, want to watch I- a good courtroom procedural from Aaron Sorkin, Few Good Men, 100%. That's like, it no, writes you know- the line so well. But the ensemble, I know you ha- you don't like them, but the ensemble cast as a whole, the, the, I think the roles are picked so well for each character that was there. Ugh, no. You st- don't stick your tongue I, out of me. I think, I think we're completely opposite ends of that one. Um, oh, actually, no, ju- just Quentin Lever was good. He's like the only one that has any kind of depth. Oh my god, I think I have wrote one note on Childish Color, and it's that girl... Joseph Gordon-Levitt isn't even here. Like, he just wasn't there. Like He's the only character who has any kind of, like, internal conflict or depth. Well, he's the one who's, like, he's a liberal at heart, but he has to prosecute on behalf of, like, the conservative government. And I was like, okay, uh, that's a character. Yeah, no. Right, he, he plays his role really well, but he literally could have been just shoved in there as a... I feel like he's just a filler character. I knew that his role was important in the trial, but because he barely talked. He barely talked about the whole thing. And, he um, drives the plot forward in multiple scenes. He's kind of the main one we're introduced to. He's kind of the everyman in the scenario. I think so I couldn't love or hate him throughout it. So maybe he just he played it really well. Maybe like that that was him just playing his role really well. Sure. I completely actually when I thought of the ensemble cast just for a moment, Joseph Gordon Levitt didn't even come to mind. He literally straight past it. That's because everyone's a cartoon thinking, character except for him. God, don't do this to me. Let me have it. Let me. Mark Rylance is really good, but he's also a cartoon character. That's true. That is true. Ah, oh, so I'm gonna uh, wait before you say anything else. Okay. I took I took away something. Maybe care. Maybe that's just my emotional side. I think it was a good ensemble cast. I thought the writing was good enough so that the time period went quicker. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. it was a good film. I think I gave it four stars and. Yeah, okay. it's one of my favorites out of the bunch. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not illegal like Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah, you make me feel like it is. <laughs> but I, no, I, I will cross-examine you on that one now. Yeah. Hey-oh. To be honest, I, I think if I liked it more, maybe I wouldn't have got my words so jumbled when I try to try to convince. I think maybe I'm convincing myself I liked it. I did have um. The thing is, I haven't. I probably haven't cried at any of these films. I didn't cry at Minari. I didn't cry at like um, Sound of Metal, but it's the the courtroom scene, and I think you know the one I'm talking about in Charlie Chicago Seven, with the bounding and the the film that's the two hours of courtroom scenes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very, that was very effective. Um, that literally made me. Uh, I think the word is like, I was, I was basically weeping. Sure, that's a very effective scene, but my, I think my, my problem is those scenes feel incongruous to the rest of the movie. There's like there's a scene where they have to give Bobby Seale, who I think was the head of the Black Panthers at the time, mm. they, they, gave, they have to break him some bad news, and it's like Mark Rylance breaking the news, and then like Eddie Redmayne's just there in some skinny jeans and a tight sweater, like posing like he's in a fucking GQ ad, like in the background. And, like, it's, like, he's in, like, he, like, takes so much of the shot, and it's so strange. It's, like, this is, like, a really dramatic moment between these two characters, and you've just got Eddie Redmayne just there, just kind of posing. It's so strange. I'm going to say this now, but that is just Eddie, Eddie Redmayne in any role. That, that is just him. He suits the sweater and the jeans, and I think if you don't like him, 
Do you, so you think it was in like his contract? Them. It was in his contract. Like, I have to look like a 2003 indie band member. Or a modern day Cambridge student. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah, we'll that's topical that. to us, yeah. That is topical to us. We're based in Cambridge, by the way. We have not mentioned that once, but I, I think, think it's maybe so. important to say. Uh, it's not too relevant. People can watch us in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's fine. We don't care. I, 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 I'm pretty passionate about Cambridge and living here. We'll, we'll take what we see. Okay. Uh, okay All right, let's move on. on. We, we spent too much time on this. What do you got next? I've got Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. You want to take this one? With Riz Ahmed. Uh, you can introduce this. I'll take oh. Promising Young Woman. Okay, okay. I'll do Sound of Metal and you do Promising Young Woman. Fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Sound of Metal. Um, it is, Sound of Metal is a film about Rizik, Riz, Riz, Riz Ahmed, Ahmed and his girlfriend are on tour. They are two members of a punk band, a heavy metal punk band. Um, he starts suffering from tinnitus or tinnitus. Uh, he goes to the doctor, finds out he is slowly but surely losing his hearing and he has to adapt to a new lifestyle and face the fact that he will in all likelihood be deaf and so the film's kind of him dealing with that i won't go into too much detail because i that's pretty much as much as i knew about the story going in and i was very surprised where it goes very quickly uh paul ratchie who plays a deaf kind of learning center trainer guy um he he holds up a lot of the dramatic weight. No, he's like he's like a good counterbalance to Riz Ahmed. They're both incredibly well in their very specific roles in this film. Um, I think it's a little too long, um, but it takes a unique way of t- telling the story. And overall, it was pretty solid. Yeah. So I watched this last night, um, and well, I watched the last ten minutes last night. I actually watched it the night before. But How much do you I remember? Of... <laughs> la la la. I, I remember a lot. Uh, I think the the standout point in this film is probably the sound design. It was very effective mm-hmm. um, throughout the whole thing. I think the the moments where the film puts you in that kind of position to get his point of view of what he can hear the silence and the the tones it's definitely it makes it more i think that's maybe why it's gotten nominated for an act like an oscar apart from riz ahmed's a very good performance throughout it uh paul like we said paul is it racy or ratchy I would say it's Ratchy, but I have no idea, to be honest. Okay, so Paul Ratchy's um, performance gives it a strong backbone, but I think the sound design as a whole makes it a more impressive and important film. Um, he definitely broke my heart a little bit. Mm. Um, so I think there's definitely moments throughout the film where I'm like, this is great. Like, this is very well done. Uh, another one is when he's at the treatment centre. Uh, there's children there that he starts to bond with. And you see like his relationship with everyone around him and it's a very it's it's very delicate. I really enjoyed his interactions with the friends that he made. But I think uh obviously the second apart from Paul Ratchy, there is Olivia Cook who plays the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely loved that arc of the story. I think that gives it why maybe you said it's too long. I definitely think the Paris arc 
made it longer than it should have been. Yeah. But I definitely needed that uh, conclusion. So overall, I think it is, I came away enjoying the film. I thought there was very good moments that I really appreciated, but at the same time, it's just it's just another good film. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a great film. It's just a yeah. good film. I'd agree with yeah. that. Yeah, it's 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 a quality yeah. watch. It's, it doesn't feel quite as long as it is, but it is definitely a little too long. Yeah, no, I would say that as well. Okay. But, what? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We're good. Promising young woman. Come on, Promising let's go. Woman. Okay, this is this is another one we and Law could have had may have something to say about. Oh, I cannot fucking wait. So you you start off the film. You've got Carrie Mulligan in a club with one of my personal favorite actors at the time, Adam Brody. <laughs> he oh, has yeah. a he has a good you know five second five minute role. Yeah. Um, I think this the songs chosen for this film made me love it probably more if they weren't in it. So you start off with Charlie XCX boys, and I'm like, this is my vibe. I can rock with this, you know. Um, I actually just loved everything about it. It's about Carrie Mulligan living her life, getting revenge on boys that seem like the good guy, or not the good guy. And she's like a, the anti-hero. She's an yeah. anti-hero. Like that is her character arc. And I love her for it. I think she's super convincing in the trauma that she's dealing with. Um, I think she tries her vulnerability and how she gets disappointed from that. And just the anger that she's feeling is portrayed. I, I felt I felt so angry. I felt so angry throughout this film. And um, I really enjoyed Carrie Mulligan in it. But yeah, you've sort of Carrie Mulligan in the club. She, um, she basically makes Adam Brody crap himself when she pretends to be drunk and isn't. And he tries to take advantage. And it's her then processing the grief of her dead best friend after something that happened awful that happened to her. And how she tries, she acts revenge on those that were involved on it, and it's set in five different arcs, I believe, throughout. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not a fan of Promising Young Woman. Um, mm-hmm. More from a because I'm like I'm a big story guy, um, and I'm also a big runtime guy. I think if you're gonna have your film go over ninety minutes, you should appeal for some kind of license. I don't know. The film's almost two hours. The first 35 minutes are set up. Then there's about an hour of dead ends. And then the plot kicks in about 15 minutes before the end. Um, The dialogue was deliberately, I hope, deliberately over the top and ridiculous. But then the subject matter is quite serious. So I don't know what, I don't really know what that was about. Um, And... It was it was just a huge waste of time, I think. Like, oh my goodness! Carrie, Carrie Mulligan's performance is good, but it's just like you're so also you kind of like feel like satisfied with the ending. That's a, well, that's it's the thing. A, it's a shocking. The last, do you not feel like yeah? The, the last, last fifteen minutes, minutes. The last fifteen minutes are good, but that's the movie. Like you take away, you don't really lose much when you take away the other hour and thirty five minutes. The whole point of the first 35 minutes is like you, you're, you're made to think you're made to think that she's going around killing these guys and then the twist is that she's not. She's just kind of shaming them. I, don't, I never I, once thought she was killing them. I never once thought that. Oh really? I think maybe that's because of the no. marketing. Because like one of the posters is like 
like bloody red lips and she's kind of like hanging off them and I feel like the film wants you to think that she kills Adam Brody in that first scene but then like 35 minutes in when she's with McLovin it's like oh no she just gives him a good telling off uh, I like the parents the parents were a good kind of counterbalance to things but it's the most serious I've ever seen Jennifer Coolidge I don't think I like oh it. yeah 100% I really... and probably Clancy Brown as well I'm also known as Mr. Krabs from Spongebob. Parents, the parents are such background characters, there's barely any thought being put into them. However, I think the other characters, especially Bo Burnham, especially Bo Burnham, um, yeah, no, I think there's actually some very great performances in this. He, his was the performance that like kind of made me love this film the most because I was completely like, uh, t- like, oh, how, how would I say, I was completely absorbed in the likeliness of the likeness of him as in he's such a light like likable character would you want to date bo burnham in this film he was awful i would so at the beginning i absolutely did when he drank her spit coffee i thought that's kind of hot no that was awful that was just bad like it it felt like one of those tarantino films like like one of those tarantino ripoffs that come out in the mid 90s where like they're trying to be edgy and cool and realistic but it was just like this is just bad this is bad when writing he, when he started singing paris hilton in a in the bloody pharmacy i was like i kind of want my relationship to be a no, bit that's like just that. a ripoff of uh, would... james franco and spring breakers we're like a really kind of i, I have not i have not seen spring breakers but oh, spring breakers I, is great. I, I did love that paris hilton song and to be sung that by a boy would probably make me blush i'm not so i was very convinced by bo burnham Okay. And then the way the movie takes it made me made me strongly hate basically everything that he's about. And maybe I will second guess the next time I go on a bloody date now. <laughs> but he is completely realistic. No. From from <laughs> No, I cannot yeah. even tell you how realistic his character is. That's why he had me so convinced. Maybe we run Honestly. in very different circles, I don't know. Dating circles? Yes, we do. Lockin, yes, we do. Well, you don't know that for sure. Um, No, maybe we do have the same type. Yeah, (laughs) you don't know. Um, I think it's just like... uh, What am I trying to say? He's... He acts... I would say all the men in this act like how... Like an overt, obtuse version of what women think men act like. And I assume that's played for laughs. Where like the opening scene was like Adam Brody and uh, the guy from Veep, Mar- uh, Richard from Veep, mm. and they're like saying like they're saying like every cliche stereotype in like as few sentences as possible. And I was like, okay, so this is like this is like kind of like they're they're setting the film in a world that's not quite our own. It's a very kind of hyperbolized world. But then at times it's not. At times it's not. But then, when we get more into the ending, it it kind of goes back to that. So it kind of goes back and forth between like genuine drama drama between people, and then just like cartoony, fun, light, cynical tone. And I don't think it balanced mm-hmm. them well. And like I said, I just think like the last fifteen minutes is interesting, but that's it. The last fifteen minutes was. Oh, I love a good ending that makes you like feel. Satisfied. Was it? Do you think it was worth the hour and thirty-five minute setup, though? Of of course I do. Of course I do. I like okay. I like this film quite a lot. I don't, okay. I don't know if I'm going to say I love it, but I like this film a lot. I do think 
the performances are good. I know that you don't like this film, but I don't really care. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's not like the worst film ever, but it, to me it feels like just something that would it's be It's one of the worst done. ratings of it. It's one of the worst, worst ratings I've ever seen you give a film. No, and I just don't oh know god, why. no, it's not. It's nowhere. It's nowhere near. I think it's just because it's like people seem to hold, hold it in such high esteem. I'm, I'm like, I, I really didn't dig it. Uh, I mean, there's much worse films. There's much. There's worse films like that have been nominated. Um, I just think overall, it like I said, it just feels like something that we get dropped on Amazon and Netflix, and mo- a lot of people just wouldn't. I'm not gonna lie. Basically, when this film was announced, it was probably a week away from coming out in the cinema when COVID hit last March. Oh, really? And I thought it was just going to be you know, another good film that people would see. I didn't think there was going to be this much fuss around it. The trailer is spectacular. That use of like Britney Spears' toxic score, mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, but I didn't actually think it was going to be a big of a deal as people have made it out to be. Maybe it's just the times. I think a lot, like... If we go into the Oscars, a lot of the films at the minute have a lot of maybe social prevalence today, um, which obviously makes them a lot more captivating to pick than others. The more but at Oscar the same time, baiting. a lot of mo- yeah, that Oscar baiting. That is a good, as a good word or term for what is basically the nominations this year. I had a lot of satisfaction watching that as a woman. Um, that's, I, I mean, enjoy... that's an important factor as well. It might just be that kind of it's thing. A massive... Yeah, 100%. I think it's a good film, and it's probably one of my favourite of the bunch. So we'll take that. And Dawkins disliked it. So there's that as well. I think when you compare... I think when you compare it to even some of the other Oscar-nominated films, it's like... It, it does kind of feel out of its league, I think. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of the films released in the past year... I think have been shoved on into the Oscars, even though they are out of their league compared to a lot of nominations in the past, just because of, you know, release schedule and like kind of problems that have happened. Sure. The whole, the whole mean, cinema it... industry as a whole this year has been a bit of a, like, it's been on fire. Oh so yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we've got a, at least a few films out of it. And yes. it's not promising anyone's fault that it's been put up for all this, but it's also, I think it's an okay contender, you know. I'll, I'll I like it. Okay. So right, let's go on to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. How did you find that? Um, it's very good. Everything about it is everything about it is great or very good, except for the story itself, which is kind of a shame because the performances are amazing. Uh, it's impeccably directed. Cinematography is great. The music's really curious and weird and fun and interesting. I think my main problem is that for a film about revolutionaries, because it's about the kind of FBI's various nefarious plots against the Black Panthers, which they perceived as a kind of domestic terrorist threat. Unfortunately, despite the interesting subject matter, it's one of those films you watch and you're like, oh, this is so compelling and interesting as a story, but the storytelling itself is kind of something we've seen before. For a film about revolutionaries, it's a very pedestrian way of telling this story it's basically three scenes it's Lakeith Stanfield uh, who plays someone hired by the FBI to infiltrate the Black Panthers Um, and then so three scenes he meets Jesse Plemons who's a member of the FBI uh, who's trying to get him indoctrinated in the Black Panthers then the scene after that is Jesse Plemons going to his head operatives at the FBI and learning that 
the FBI is probably more nefarious than it seems. And then the third scene is Daniel Kaluuya um, trying to kind of rein in but still maintain the Black Panther Party that he's in charge of, the sector of the Black Panther Party that he's in charge of. But that's the thing. It's just those three scenes repeated kind of quite a lot. Um, And it's like we've seen so many stories of people going undercover against the will and it doesn't do anything fresh with that story unfortunately so i think despite all the good performances directing score the story really lets it down unfortunately um but i mean apart from that there's there's i really don't have anything positive or negative to say about it it's a it, it deserves to be nominated for all the films that came out in the last year uh, i hope it does i hope it does well really yeah, uh, yeah. i mean um I think the similar thing is what I said about uh, Steve Yoon about how he's chosen his roles very well and because of that he's becoming like a bit of like a sweetheart and that people are becoming a little bit more obsessed with him and I definitely think the same uh, is going for Lakeith Stanfield is that how yeah. you probably pronounce Lakeith it? Lakeith Stanfield, Lakeith, I'm not sure Um He's chosen his roles so well over the past few years I mean starting with Get Out would be probably it and I think he's becoming pretty much adored by the public because of his very convincing performances. So I'm looking forward to watching this. Definitely. Yeah. It is on my watch list for I'm willing to pay for it on Amazon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's it's quality um, it's quality film, it's definitely worth watching. Okay, uh let's let's get your take of the father. Let's, uh, let's okay, do so that. The father The Father is a quality film from everything. The performances are incredible it's basically the it's a film about anthony hopkins is an old man who has gained a certain a certain amount of wealth and privilege and he's in his apartment um but he suffers from dementia uh and his daughter is kind of grappling with the decision to move her very domineering yet bizarrely endearing father into a home um, and the purpose of the film is to kind of put you in the shoes of someone who suffers from dementia while also showing incredible sympathy for the people who have to care for the, the, the loved ones who are suffering from dementia. Um, I won't go into too much detail because I, I really think it's an incredible film. Um, I don't mm-hmm. often kind of tear up at films, but the end of this is so human and tragic and inevitable. Um Anthony Hopkins' performance, like I say, is amazing. Olivia Coleman's amazing. I've always been a fan of Rufus Sewell. Mark Gaddis from League of Gentlemen, he's really great. Um, the set design, uh, the editing, it's all its all really quality film filmmaking. It's just, Knowing I can't recommend it enough. Knowing that you teared up with this film. Knowing that you teared up with this film, I, uh, I'm expecting an emotional roller coaster. I'm expecting... I everything. I'm expecting a Snapchat from you at the final shot of this film, Vicky. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is just completely is, in bits. I mean, even if you, even if you like, I've had someone in my family who's, who's had dimension, like kind of caring for them. But even if you haven't, like, I can't imagine this film will not expose your kind of vulnerability. It is such a good job of like mm-hmm. dislocating yourself from your comfort zone. Um, Strongly recommend it. I'm kind of shocked that the Oscars nominated a film this good, to be honest. Yeah. Oh my. What a take and a half. 
Yeah. Uh, I think there's only there's only one more to really talk about. I mean, you've, yeah. you've got you've got Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms, but I just let's give you a quick take of Nomadland. Maybe I'll join in on a future podcast when after I've seen it. But what do you think about the front run of a best pitch in Nomadland, Lorcan O'Neill? Did, did you did you watch the rider? I didn't watch the rider. No, okay. it didn't. It didn't have anything that made me want to go and see it. To no, be honest, I am confused as to why anyone's going to watch Nomadland as well. Um, mm. I, I I wasn't a big fan of the writer. It's a I found it very exploitative and mm-hmm. finger pointy. Um, Nomadland is just exploitative, so I guess that's progress. Um, okay, it's an almost it's an Oscar nominated film that's almost that's a near two hour Amazon ad. That claims to show the downside of oh don't don't even st- it's a two-hour Amazon ad that claims to show the downside of monopolistic consumerism that's released while the director is working on the twenty-sixth Marvel Disney film I think and it's so disingenuous it's so kind of skin crawling I really did not like. Nomadland at all. What about um, what we're saying about Frances McDormand? Because her we both love Frances like, McDormand. I I I do like Frances McDormand, but her performance mm. is this in this is like is like is poor face a thing where it's like it's such it felt like such a disingenuous portrayal of how a poor person acts. Like it's like what a rich oh, person gosh. thinks a poor person acts like. It was so strange. It was like she watched lots of episodes of like hoarders or something and was like this is how people act when they're poor i really didn't dig it I, this like, is how i'm going to feel after watching a ken loach film because ken, i also feel like ken loach is a bit of an exploitative director when it comes to the portrayal of poor people being yes. from the northeast in general it's yes. a bit hard to watch his films um if i feel the same after watching this i think like maybe we'll have a similar opinion but i'm still I'm still excited to watch it. I know that I, I appreciate Chloe Zhao is kind of the the woman to be at the minute. And I've having not watched any of her things, I don't have an opinion, but I am excited for her the wins at the minute as, you know, an Asian American woman. Oh, sure. Yeah. But uh, interesting. I'm excited to join, tune in on this. Yeah, no, I'm very curious to see. I'm thoroughly confused as to why it's the favourite. For best okay. film and director, I guess it's like the film that wins the Oscar is always the film that's most about something, and I guess it's about mm-hmm. like modern day poverty. But it's like it's an it's an odd one. Um, it certainly has a lot of pretense about it. But um, no, I, I, I don't know. now that we've this done one, like our full didn't bode well with me. Don't worry. Now that we've done our full Oscar rundown, it's yeah. made me so like a bit depressed to be honest. I'm like thinking Welcome back to, to when we Oscars. were like so hyped for you know I was so hyped in jail for the parasite and you know before that the favorite the year before. But mm-hmm. God, this this year, what what a depressing note to end on. But maybe we can lighten them up with the one recommendations we've given each other this week. Yes. How well, maybe we'll light, we'll lighten the tone a little bit. So. We'll move on from all this Oscars. They're both fairly uh, light-hearted films. Would you say so? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Lorcan this week recommended me 
on the theme of that we had to we love to hate i would say films that we both love that we think the other will hate or so, love that's it's like a it's like a whole labyrinth it's like oh, yeah, films yeah, that we either love we or just... hate that you might love or hate <laughs> so Lorcan recommended me Peach, the original Peach Dragon from 1977 uh, so I got that up on Disney Plus this morning and I quite the first 20 minutes I wanted to almost rip my eyes out I hated yeah. every single character that was introduced Yeah, uh, there was no likability for me uh, I bloody hate musicals in general Yes, and then <laughs> I was just watching it I'm like I can't believe I had to sit through all of this uh, because I feel like Disney films are different if you watch them when you're young and you become attached to them and you grow with them mm. to when you watch them when you're a little bit older and have you literally like, this is a bit painful. So Pete's sure. Dragon started off a little bit painful mm-hmm. and then it was saved by a lovely woman that runs a yes. lighthouse. Yes. I feel like everyone would know that. Would everyone know the plot for Pete's Dragon by now? It's been out for a good, you know, 50 years. It's like, I mean, I guess maybe they might be confused by the David Lowry remake, but I mean, you, you can give it a quick brief synopsis. I think it goes. So you've got an orphan that's running away from a family that want to use him as a slave on their farm. Um, him and his magical dragon that has come to him uh, escape to a town where he finds a loving host. Pazamakwadi. A very big plot point is to get that town's name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Pete and his dragon, his dragon in particular, Elliot, cause a lot of chaos um, until I think Pete finds, you know, he, he finds a home and along with many, many songs, including almost kidnapping of a dragon, uh, it becomes this heartwarming family. Oh, I can't even... Who plays... The drunk lighthouse keeper. Oh come on! I'm not going to. Mickey tell you. Rooney. It's hey, Mickey Rooney. There we go. You know what? Me and Mickey Rooney, we don't have a good relationship. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. But I really, uh, I really love Mickey Rooney in this. He, um, he's the cheerful old man that gave me a lot of joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, his daughter was great. I can't actually remember her name properly. It, they kind of just warmed my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nora. Yeah, she. They kind of just warmed my heart. They took this guy, this little boy, in. They fed him. They like give him new clothes. They took him in as a part of the family. And there's a lot of heartwarming moments of that. But I honestly think I'll forget about this film in about the next hour, and yeah. it'll never get mentioned again. Tell me why you recommended it, Lorcan. <laughs> but uh, I, I, re- I recommend it because it's it's one of my favorite films. Um, but I know you like. I know you hate. Not hate, but I know you're not fond of musicals. So I was like, I'm, really I'm not curious. fond of musicals. I'm curious to see what she makes of this. Um, I can't remember a single song. I feel like they all sounded the same. That's funny because that... not a not a day goes by where I don't hum, like "Candle on the Water" or "Happiest Home in the Hills" or uh, <laughs> "It's So Sorry. Easy." They're all like I could sing them verbatim now. And like, granted, I did watch this VHS a lot as a kid, but mm. my Hands down, my favorite genre of film is imaginary friend comes to lost soul to put their life in order and then disappears once everything's back to move on to someone else. Like, Harvey's one of my favorite films. Swiss Army Man's in, like, my top top 100, at least. 
No um, way. Swiss Army, I mean... I love Swiss Army. That's so good. I remember watching that and thinking, do I like cinema anymore? But then, yeah, the answer was yes. Yes, I do. After I had some time to really solidly think about Golly it. Golly gee whiz. Okay, well, I'll I'll recommend Swiss Army Man in, a, in like maybe 10 years if we're still watching, if we're still doing this <laughs> podcast and you've forgotten everything about it. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is so. like, I just love that kind of story for some bizarre reason um i i i watched it a lot as a kid i rediscovered it like when i was in my 20s and i was like i'll go back and watch mm. this the the song to runtime ratio is pretty impeccable it's like a, a good song every three or four minutes and i do genuinely like almost all the songs um i think helen reddy uh who passed away recently um, she's kind of more famous. She did a song called um, I Am Woman, which became kind of a feminist anthem in the 70s, I believe. Um, she plays like this lighthouse keeper who's waiting for her husband to come back. Uh, I think she's so she's so lovely and charming in taking care of this boy. Um, I think Jim Dale, who plays like a wacky kind of snake oil salesman. Um, mm. I think Jim Dale, he's mostly known for like the... He's in a few carry-on films, I think, but he's so expressive and ebullient in the film he's probably um, one of the highlights for me definitely his whole branding of magic potion had definitely had me captivated i really loved the whole set design that went into that i appreciated him as this wacky character as like a, a good he was a good evil plot line compared to the family that were trying to kidnap the boy back i think uh i enjoy i enjoyed him the most maybe the rest of it was too wholesome, too sweet for me. Oh, Definitely, I don't, mind that. I don't mind too wholesome if it, if the tone's consistent and it's and it's engaging enough because it's just kind of it's just one of those films you don't really know what's going to happen next and it's all just very like soft touch. But I like the music a lot. I like the characters a lot. I just I actually I think one of the problems were that I just hated the main kid. He was annoying. Pete. He was so like like I said that I am. Um, I hated everyone within the first 20 minutes. Sure. Maybe if it was played by someone that was just a little bit more likable. I think, I don't even know what it is. It's this whole look. It angers me to the core. Maybe you just it's don't not... have kids, though. <laughs> you know, you're probably fucking right. No, Wait. I adore Alan Kim. I adore Alan Kim and Minari. I literally okay. just talked about it. <laughs> but yeah, okay. this, this, I, this I, didn't I, do I, anything. I never had a problem with Pete. Um, what, so even, uh, I think it's Jeff Conaway, he plays one of Pete's adopted brothers. Mm. I'm not going to lie, I had a crush on when I was a kid. Um, They're just so bloody stupid, both of them. I just, oh, annoyed me. <laughs> Everything about this film is insufferable. <laughs> I mean, in terms of Disney films at the time, it's it's definitely, like, comparatively, it's a masterpiece. But I... I just really fucking dig it. I think it's so much fun. It's so heartfelt. I really, I I don't think I'll remember this. I don't think I'll remember this in any time to come, but I definitely know something more about you now that I've watched it. It's just withered and black and someday an imaginary friend will come to (laughs) pull you out of the muck and give you a If I see an imaginary dragon, I'm going to be concerned about what's been put in my drink. But at the same time... Yeah, you know, Elliot's all right, but I also found the the dragon to be... He reminds me of so many, like, ex-boyfriends I've taken under my wing that are just a pain in my life. 
<laughs> Does I mean, that make sense? That's a very subjective opinion, and I'm worried about who you, <laughs> what your criteria is now. People, <laughs> people who can't speak, and they're fucking huge. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But um, what was I, I going to say? I'll quickly say that Pete was um, a early Don Bluth animation, uh, one of the okay. early kind of mixed live action animation things, uh, mm. and I really enjoy it. I love it. But yeah, Vicky recommended me uh, a film starring Emma Roberts and Dave, Dave Franco. Dave Franco. From 2016, I think it is. Um, it was around about that time, yeah. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, Vicky, but I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Oh, this I makes me feel like very, a bad person. It was a very... It was appropriately kind of energetic in its filmmaking... Mm. Uh, there's a lot of, it's just really fun. Like whenever, so it's about a app that you can get where it's basically, I think it's based on what a lot of universities have, where it's kind of like you get an app and it's like, go to this location at this time and do this thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's like amplified. It's definitely been made level. since the, yeah, it's definitely been, the apps have definitely been made since this film came out. I think when this film came out, it was kind of like, a a fever dream but now this is definitely like a thing that could definitely happen and oh, has really? been happening yeah my, my, mm-hmm. my university had a thing where it's like go to this location at this time and do this thing which is weird so i think it might That's be so go- it might have been going on for a while but um mm. obviously things escalate in a very kind of new york kind of way i guess um mm-hmm. emma roberts plays a shy kind of socially reserved girl who lives with her mom who's a nurse played by Juliet Lewis mm. um, the girl's played by Emma Roberts who I know you're a big fan of Vicky I'm a massive fan of Emma Roberts uh, I understand now why she's very very good she's just very engaging and compelling in this and mm-hmm. um, so she signs up to this app to kind of get a new lease on life before heading to university uh, and then on her journey she meets Dave Franco who's kind of like a veteran of this app and they go on kind of increasingly crazy adventures um, I felt that Dave Franco is kind of introduced in a very kind of 80s magical way. He's kind of like dancing around a diner to uh, You Got It by Roy, uh, Roy Orbison. And it felt it like instantly, a proper, it felt it like a proper like John like Hughes kind of moment. Yeah. Um, I, found them, I, I thought their chemistry was great. I thought all the scenario was really great. The only thing I will say is the whole film, I was like, spoilers. The whole film, I was hoping it wouldn't end in some kind of fucking coliseum with a gun. And that's <laughs> fucking precisely what fucking happens. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. so I I would expect this film would end with like some kind of gun and they have to shoot each other. And then there's going to be people watching because that's the obvious thing mm-hmm. to do. And then that's exactly what happens. So it's, I think it's a really great film. The ending really lets it down. Um, but I'm. To it, I feel. I, I actually, it. I do feel the same. I do feel the same that it does let it down. But the whole, everything that the exciting task was so like overwhelmingly lovable. I love. I love Dave Franco and Emma Roberts together. Mm-hmm. This film made me feel things throughout. I was literally like, I just, I just want that. Especially she sat getting a tattoo. You know, she's listening to Wu Tang Clang, and I was like, God, mm. you just want a night like that, don't you? You just want to like feel those kind of things. I thought. um this is definitely Ariel Shulman's best film. Uh, he is the brother of, you know, Nev Shulman, who's on the infamous Catfish. 
Have you ever have you ever watched Catfish? I've never seen. Well, is he in the documentary, or did he just make it? Uh, yeah, no, I believe he's in the documentary. So Nev Shulman's okay. the main guy in the documentary Catfish. It's oh, all about okay. him. Uh, but his brother Ariel, this is like his his standout film, I think. And then he did, you know, Project Power maybe last year, also with Joseph mm. Gordon Levitt. Um, that it was a net, that was a straight to Netflix. Um, he's done a few of the Paranormal Activities, which I'm a big fan of, maybe three mm. and four. But um, when this came out, I remember being like, I was so excited from the trailer, and it completely delivered. It was also, I think, MGK's starring role. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly. He plays the the other veteran of the app, and he's the one that lies down on the train. And oh, is shoots... that who that is? Yeah, that is Machine oh, Gun Kelly. Thank God you're here, Vicky, because I don't know any of these fucking young people. <laughs> I've, heard, it, I've heard the names. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly's kind of like the the it pop punk artist at the moment. But his other big role is that he was in The Dirt. He played Tommy Lee. He was in The King of Staten Island. You know, he's 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 introducing himself as well as like a a music artist that has gone actor kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, See, the, for the audience at home, Vicky is rolling her eyes when she says the last <laughs> part. I love Machine Gun Kelly, but I swear to God, the Dirt performance made me cringe to hell. But in this, he's I, I kind of really appreciate him. And I was like, yeah, I love all the small characters, all the small roles that we're giving out. Yes. I think everyone has the likability. Yes. I just want to experience this. I watch this film and I just want it to happen to me. I'm just jealous, really, like throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm re- I'm actually so shocked you liked it. They have like uh, so many. Um, we watched the trailer for. Uh, I want to say it's not Sofia Coppola. It's Gia Coppola's new film last week. Um, and when you messaged oh me God, afterwards you saying this up all the time. No, but when you messaged me and you said that, I thought I'll give him something that I definitely think he won't like. But you did like it. It's not. It's not that I don't like it. I don't like things that make me feel old. This didn't make me feel old because I was like. I know what they're doing. I wasn't going to say the fun. old thing, but yeah. It's it's like, I, I like understand what they're doing. Like, I know what this is. And, like, they're doing it in a very youthful, relevant way. Mm. I, 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 I don't... What's that other film called again? The Jake Paul... What is, what is it? Oh, God. I, I know that. You don't even Jake. know what it's called. No, that I'm excited for it, though. Oh, God, I'm bad with names. Uh, mainstream. Oh. It's called Mainstream. Oh, what a generic fucking title. No, I watched that trailer and I was like, this, like, I know I feel old, but I think this is a bad movie from just what I saw in the trailer. It feels it feels so desperate to feel like one of the young kids. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Who knows? It might just be bad marketing. I mean, bad marketing happens all the time, but. I think it's great marketing. I feel the same way as I did before I watched Nerve, but anyway. Okay. Um, I'm really shocked that you like it. I think this is a definitely, and it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's straight up just a fun film with a lot That's of rewatch quality. value. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for liking my recommendation, Lorcan. I'm You're really welcome. sorry. Give I'm me some bloody... shit to watch, please. <laughs> you ruined one of my favorite films. Like you have to give me like some real turn. I don't. I don't you don't care about what I think. I definitely have not ruined no, Pete's Dragon will, for I you. I will 100% watch Pete's Dragon tonight. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> really? Right today? Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, any excuse. That's completely really. fine. That's completely fine. Um, yeah, it, it has just solidified my my point though that don't give me bloody musicals. There's just nothing I enjoy about it. There's, gonna There's be nothing. One. I swear, you need you need a gateway. You need a gateway musical 
that'll just click. I've mentioned Mamma Mia 2. Is Mamma Mia 2 classed as a musical? Uh, I mean, technically, but I wouldn't fucking say so. It's not like it's, it's not, their, not like the, yeah. the songs were written to like progress the fucking story. Okay, I'm saved then because yeah. otherwise you can use that against me. <laughs> no, I mean, right. Are, I, yeah. Okay. Anyway, what are we doing? Are we doing the next one? There's some new stuff that comes out on the seventh of May. Are we doing the next mm-hmm. episode then? We can do the next episode then. I think that's We've a good got, shout. Guess what comes out on the seventh of May that you will one hundred percent want to review? Bloody hell! I don't know. I haven't been keeping up. The, please, please. The new Guy Ritchie film starring Jason Statham. Oh Breath no way! Comes out on the seventh of May apparently, so we can we can aim for that as like mm-hmm. on the day release review. And then we Apart got more. From- oh wait, what? I was about to say, I'm such a Guy Ritchie fan, girl. This, this is—you've just made my bloody night. I and Jason, and Jason Statham. Yeah, you know how I feel about that man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we've also got Mortal okay. Kombat comes out. It comes out tomorrow, but we can always just review it. Mm-hmm. On the on then uh, then whatever. I've never played Mortal Kombat, so you might. Well, you've got to... two weeks to fucking play some Mortal Kombat, don't you? Just get an emulator <laughs> and fire up that bad boy. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it's got. I've been given. I would be shocked if you don't know some of the actors. It's got the main actor from The Night Comes For Us, I believe. He's in it. Uh, Night Comes mm. For Us is a really great uh, kind of action film from a couple of years ago. I think it was dropped on Netflix and no one really talked about it. Um, I, I think he's I also really... in The Raid. He's also in one of The Raids. Okay, that I'll probably recognize him when I'm seeing if he's in the raid. That'll make more sense. Okay, I'm looking more all combat up now. It looks like something I'll probably have a lot of fun with, I'm being honest. Sure. Um, yeah, okay. So we can talk about some new releases and then we'll give each other two recommendations. But we've yet yeah. to decide those, which is fine because we're yeah. currently overwhelmed by a... My, well, I'm overwhelmed by an Oscar watch list. Lorcan's already made his way through. No, I'm, I'm 100% through... Everything, yeah, I think I think there's very oh there's gosh. there may be like the odd like best editing that I've missed. Pieces of a Woman. I have no idea what Pieces of a Woman is. I need to watch that. Vanessa Kirby's nomination. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Vanessa Kirby. I think she's interesting, like what she's doing recently. But I completely forgot she was nominated. Absolutely, but yeah. I'm pretty sure she'll be happy to be there. You know, I know her best from uh, Hobson Shaw and Fast and Furious, so that says maybe a little something about me. Wait, she's from Hobson Shop, Fast and Furious? Yeah, she's uh, Jason Statham's sister. Oh, wow. She plays the, the, the hot English one that The Rock gets off with, you know? Oh, is Helen Mirren their mum in that? Yeah, she is. Ah, uh, okay. I've forgotten 90% of that movie. It's okay. It really is fine. As much as I love Fast and Furious, I don't expect any of my friends to feel the same. Even though we watched it together in IMAX, but I mean, that's another I, I, thing. I, I don't mind Fast and Furious, but Hobbs and Shaw was was not good. <laughs> we it's did because it was directed by that guy good. I don't like. Who's that director I don't like? The guy that did um, Atomic Blonde. David no Leach. Way, really? David Leach. David, he it's is. it's it's L E I T C H. David Lech, maybe. Lech. I'm gonna call him David Leach because I don't like him. Okay, um, no worries. The guy that reshot the action for um, Birds of Prey. And did a fucking awful job. Oh my goodness, you don't like him, do you? I just think he's he doesn't shoot enough coverage. It's so strange. He's like got cred as like a an action director, but he doesn't shoot nearly enough coverage to do an action scene. It's so strange. Anyway. Uh anyway, so, we're all good. Seventh <laughs> of May, 
next episode. We'll we'll record on seventh of May. Probably be out a day or two later. Mm-hmm. I'd and say then, so. Let's say eighth and eighth and ninth of May. Um, and then we maybe we'll a... even get a, a guest on. That's such an interesting concept. Like in yeah. our friends. <laughs> I don't we have, have any we friends. Have friends. Do you have any friends? Uh, well, yeah, we have a solid group of friends. Yeah, no, we, stop we've, got, we've, we've got plenty of people we can invite on. Um, I don't know if any of them are uh, interesting enough, but maybe we'll find one. Maybe we will. Uh, just a quick rundown. A lot of the films are still yet to come out in the UK, uh, Oscar-wise, but you can obviously catch you know, Sound of Metal on Amazon, Charlie Chicago 7 on Netflix, uh, Promising Young Woman is currently shown on Sky, Judas and the Black Messiah, you can purchase on Amazon, as well as a few others, Minari as well. So uh, they're all getting to be openly available. Still mm-hmm. haven't heard about The Father yet. I'm very excited to watch it when I can. And uh, yeah, I just hope that everything will be out before the Oscars currently this weekend, which is 12.30 Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah. Sunday night. Very soon to get our bets in. Cannot wait. Uh, if you want to follow either of us on Twitter, my handle mm-hmm. is at Gas Station Carney. And mine is just Victoria Air. A-Y-R-E. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Second cool. episode done. Um, yeah. Hope everyone... Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess. Hope everyone enjoys the Oscars for the cult streaming session it is. I'm sure with COVID, it'll be even more fascinating, but not as many people will fall over and John Travolta won't be able to physically harass anyone quite as much. I guess his pool of people to harass is, like, halved, at least. Oh my goodness, what a note to end on. Uh, this is uh, Eddie Redmayne here, um, uh, but this this isn't quite how I sound um, in the movie uh, uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, no, I sound kind of like her, her kind of like I'm sick. I kind of like I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs>